Welcome to Raising Mums, a live weekly broadcast streaming on Facebook and Instagram that inspires mums to live with purpose and intention, to raise their children mindfully, and empowers mothers everywhere to own their lives and thrive doing it. Hi everybody, so today we're going to go through some Q&As. So I put out a call for questions a couple of days ago and I got a ton of questions coming in, so I'm going to go through those today. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Dr. Gemma Elizabeth and I am the founder of Our Muslim Homeschool and I have three kids who I homeschool here in the UK. And um, what we do in these weekly broadcasts is I talk about ways that mothers can empower themselves by making positive and lasting changes in their lives. And we talk about all good stuff to do with homeschooling and parenting and motherhood and all that kind of stuff. But today it's a Q&A day. So we're going to be going through some of your questions that you sent in. Um, I can see some of you have already joined, which is amazing. Thank you for coming on so early. Um, Before we get started, a few quick announcements. There will not be a broadcast for the next two weeks. The next one will be on the 30th. And the topic of that discussion will be, I'm just a mother, is that enough? So that'll be the 30th of December. Um, And I've got a giveaway going on at the moment on Instagram. So if you want to enter that to win this beautiful map and a, a journal, all to do with world geography, head over to my main feed and you can enter that, that giveaway actually ends tomorrow so Monday at noon and I have a coupon code for their shop so that's Archibald Clutterbuck is their website and if you use the code homeschool10 I think homeschool10 you get 10% off their shop Um, and if any of you guys know that audiobook um, series called A Year with the Prophet um, I have a coupon code for that and that's actually for 15% off Um, That is OM Homeschool 15, and you'll get 15% off that one. That's Quantum Chronicles. So anyway, those are the quick announcements. Welcome, Salam, Nafisa. I'm so glad you're here. So those are the announcements. I want to just crack on and get through these questions now because I got a ton. And honestly, I don't know if I'm going to get through them all. If I don't get to your question, I'm going to keep all those questions, and hopefully we can touch upon them in later videos. So... First question, which I think came from Facebook, from one of my very long-term followers. So thank you so much to that sister for asking this question. She said, "Assalamu alaikum, waalaikum salam. Hope you're well, inshallah. How do you keep the boys motivated? Inspire them to love learning. Jazakallah khair. So my kids are the same as everybody else's kids. My kids are the same as everybody else, period. Some days they're really into it, they love what we're doing, and some days it's a drag. Let's be honest, we're all like that. We all have days when we love what we're doing, and some days it's just a chore to do it. But ultimately what I've found in my experience is that it all comes down to the atmosphere in your home. So if you have this really excited, energetic homeschool, you know, the atmosphere is loving and full of happiness, then that, um, it seeps into the kids. But if you look at your home and you feel like there's something amiss, there's some tension, there's some issue that um, is draining that energy and that positivity in your home, then your kids feel that and they don't want to do their work, that everything's a drag. So what I would recommend in that situation is try and reset everything, reset that atmosphere, go out for a day, go out for a couple of days, do something fun, completely change your routine um, and Hopefully that will inject some excitement back into your homeschool. We go to like museums, history museums, science museums. They do the nature stuff because that's still learning, but it's changing that the dynamic which we're learning with. So that's an option. 
Um, the second thing I would encourage you to do if your kids are finding like their learning is a bit boring and a bit of a drag is the best way to motivate kids, to motivate anybody really, is to inject fun into it. Um, try and make your homeschool learning more enjoyable and more fun for you as a mother because your enthusiasm will, will spread to them and for them. And try lots of different things. You're for sure you're going to have some fun fails for sure because what you think is fun, your, your kids might think is totally lame and they won't get it. Don't worry about it. Don't take it personally. Just keep trying to inject fun into your, their lives. And you know, fun in a homeschool does not equal unproductive or... This, in fact, the opposite is true. If your kids are enjoying themselves when they're learning, they're actually learning more. Um, so think of it that way. You know, if they're enjoying it, if they're having fun, they're retaining more. So hopefully that answers your question. And now I've got some really sweet questions from one sister. And I think sometimes the quality of the question really reflects that person who asked it. So her questions were, what do you do in your spare time? And what is your proudest achievement so far? And I think, mashallah, that sister who's asked that question is obviously coming from a really positive place herself. You can tell a lot about a person by the questions they ask, mashallah. So in my spare time, I do what lights me up. I do what brings me joy and what I am passionate about. And that is this. This, the work that I do online is my passion. I, this is the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning my, and my mind is filled with ideas of what we can talk about, what I can share. This is my passion and I am excited to tell you that, that this, what I'm doing online, is what I feel like is my purpose right now in this world, is to do what I'm doing right now. So this is my spare time, this is what I do. Everything, every moment that I get gears up to what I do online. So whether that's listening to audiobooks, um, podcasts, reading different books, I try and improve my mindset so that I can show up online like really the best me I can be. Even, you know, doing exercise, eating healthily, all of that is for what I feel is my passion and what is my motivation and that is to talk to mothers online about issues that are affecting them. Um, so that, you know, is what I do in my spare time is this. I love it. You know, we have this idea that work has to be I know something like the, something that's a drag, something that's really negative that we just do to pay the bills and that we, you know, if we save up enough money, we can escape from that life. We can escape from it for a few weeks and then we come back to our work. Now, although this work is not paying me, a, you know, very much at all at the moment, I would still do it for free. I love this. This is my passion. This is what I do in my spare time. Right. What is your proudest achievement so far? I don't know if you would call this um, an achievement, but definitely becoming a Muslim, like for sure, is the best thing I've ever done, period, like ever. And I realise that it's not really an achievement, you know, that Allah chose that to happen to me. But anyone who's been through that process, even if you were born as a Muslim, but you decided to become practising, you know that there's a point, you reach this point where you're like, okay, I have to make a decision now. What happened for me was, if anyone knows me, I'm the sort of person who wants all the facts. So when I, before I became a Muslim, I wanted to know everything about Islam that I could, could get hold of. I read, I asked really difficult questions to people. I probed, I made a pain of myself by asking a lot, a lot of questions. And um, I found that I couldn't find a flaw. Like there wasn't, 
there was nothing that I came across that I thought, you know, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't work. That doesn't feel right. Everything got answered and everything made sense. And so I got to this point where I was like, if, if everything makes sense, then surely this is the truth. So what do I do now? Do I become a Muslim or do I not become a Muslim? Do I take this somewhere or do I ignore it? And so what I'm my proudest moment, I suppose, is taking that and being brave and saying, I can't ignore this and becoming a Muslim. Alhamdulillah, it's all from Allah. It's all from Allah. Um, but um, yeah, that's my proudest moment, I suppose. Right, so then I got a question about evil eye. Um, I got a question, do I ever worry about evil eye? Do I worry about that when I'm blogging, I'm on Instagram and I'm sharing my family life with the public? I do worry. Like I do for sure worry because it's a real, it's a real thing, isn't it? But I do things in my life. I read certain things. I practice. I do things in my life to protect myself and my family. And I just, I'm just one of these people that I don't want to water down my life for other people. Just because there might be people in the world who have this darker side to them. Does, does that mean I have to hide away? I have something, I'm like, I have a purpose. I have a small bit of light that I want to share with the world. Do I have to hide away because other people have a darkness inside of them? Absolutely not. Now, I don't share things, I hope, without there being a reason, you know? I'm not just sharing pictures of my jewelry and my handbags and whatever, things that might encourage people to be envious. I absolutely try not to do that. What I share, I hope, has some kind of benefit, like deeper benefit than that. Um, but I'm not going to hide away. I think, you know, I'm here to serve people and there is a need for what I'm sharing. Um, so I'm not going to hide away from that. I, you will also have noticed that I share less and less of my kids um, recently. You know, as they're getting older, they don't want me showing their faces so much. They don't want me sharing intimate moments with me, which is absolutely understandable. Um, but... I'm not, I'm not going to hide away because of somebody else's flaws and somebody else's darkness and somebody else's issues. I have a message to share. I have, you know, uh, a light, a small light to shine on the world and that's what I'm here to do. And also, I would say, I really strongly believe that the people that you attract into your life, the people that God puts into your life, are there for a reason. So if you are filled with positivity and love, those are the sorts of people that come into your life. And if you are filled with darkness and hate and envy, you will attract those people into your life as well because Allah is trying to teach you a lesson. You will often see, you know, the, the badness and the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? The, the bad aspects of other people are often a reflection of the bad badness that resides in your own heart. And Allah might be trying to show you that, you know what, maybe that person is a gossip but do you not sometimes gossip yourself? You know, so sometimes, um, you know, there's that saying that goes around on social media, um, your vibe attracts your tribe, right? And that is exactly it. The people that come into your life are there for a reason. They're there to teach you a lesson or they're a blessing, one or the other. Um, and if you're finding that you're getting a lot of envy and hatred directed towards you, it's happening for a reason. So, you know, you need to learn that lesson, whatever that might be. Um, and hopefully then those people will leave your life. Allah will take them from you. Um, yeah, that was a very long answer to a very simple question, right? Let's hope I can speed this up a little bit. I've got a lot of questions to go through. 
Did you ever worry about socialization when you first started homeschooling? Did you have weeks without play dates or workshops or clubs? Did I ever worry? No, I didn't. I've never worried about socialization because I'm of the opinion that it is not quantity that matters with social aspects, it is quality. You know, that's the reason why a lot of us chose not to homeschool, not to send our kids to school. We didn't send our kids to school because of the quality of the social experience they will get there. If quantity was the issue, then school wouldn't be a problem, would it? But it's the quality, it's what they're learning. Um, So that's why I don't worry. I don't send my kids to, you know, a ton of after school things or a ton of um, homeschool clubs or meetups. I just, they don't need it. What they need is just a few good friends a few good influences in their lives. And when they are mature enough and ready enough, then as homeschooling families, we have that opportunity to slowly incorporate and teach them about the darker side of people, of society and all of that, when they're emotionally ready for that. Um, So yes, in answer to your question, it's not about the quantity of socialization, it's about the quality. And as homeschoolers, we have this incredible privilege that we We can control that in um, our children's lives when they're young and when they're older and they're ready, then we can let them experience the world in its full um, when they're ready for it. How do you measure progress? So I assume that means academic progress. Um, So we use, if for those of you who are not familiar, we are a Charlotte Mason inspired homeschool. So we use a technique that Charlotte Mason calls narration. So that means at the end of almost every lesson, what my kids will do is they will tell me back what they've learned. So for example, if we learn about the solar system, we've been learning about that recently, at the end of that lesson, I'll ask one of them to tell me what they remember from that class. And that's a very simple way to sort of gauge what they took, what they retained and what they didn't get. So that next time we come to that subject, I know which areas to focus on, and what techniques worked, what books worked, that kind of thing. That's a very simple way. They just tell me through speech, orally. They don't write it down at this stage. Um, And then we do do exams. Now, it's not the kind of exam that you are thinking about. Not, Not a written exam, nothing like that. I will, at the end of a term or so, ask them one or two questions only per topic, per subject, um, about what we've learned and we'll have a conversation about it. And it's a great way for me to, again, just gauge what worked and what didn't work for next term. It's not about them really. And because they don't have any negative experiences of exams, they don't have any experience of testing at all, for them it's just a game, it's fun. It's like a fun day of school because they're just having a conversation with me. So that's how we, how we assess um, our progress academically. Um, And also my kids are young yet. They don't need to learn how to sit formal exams at this stage. My eldest has only just turned eight. So it's not um, something that's pressing for us at the moment. So I got a question about teaching reading. How do you teach your child to read? Just have some water. Right. So um, I'm getting loads of questions coming in. What I'll try and do at the end is go through them all if I have time, okay? Um, How do I teach children to read? So, I begin with the phonetic sounds of the letters, and then I go on to the digraphs and blending, and then we use simple, uh, easy readers and and work on from there. If you're looking for like a a book to hold your hand through that process, because I used a book as well right at the beginning with my first child, 
I use the book called An Ordinary Parent's Guide to Teaching Reading, and that is by Jessie Wise. Um, if you're watching this on the replay on YouTube or on my blog, I'll leave the link for that um, under this video. So that's um, The Ordinary Parent's Guide to Teaching Reading, and that holds your hand through the whole process, so, you know, so it kind of teaches you as the parent how to teach reading, and actually gives you a script to follow, which is really good if you're beginning. But I found that after using that for a little while, I didn't need to look at it again because it taught me that process. So with my youngest son, I haven't looked at it again. And probably with my daughter, I'm not going to look at it again. It just taught me the process so I could do it myself, which was brilliant. Um, so I like for early readers, I like the Bob's books. I like the Biff and Chip books by Oxford Reading Tree. I think they're really good as well. So if you're in the UK, you can, you can get hold of them. I think they use them in schools as well, Oxford Reading Tree books. Um, and also I teach my kids, not just phonics, but sight words as well. And I will do that through making little cards myself of the sight words, or you can buy games. We've got a game called Pop. Yeah, Pop for Sight Words by Learning Resources. So that's fun. I'll leave the link for that as well here if you're watching on the replay. Um, so that's fun. And so you just play a game, you take out different words and you try and read it. I think, you know, when there's learning to read, it's really important to... Um, mix it up a bit and make it fun and not just be just about a book if you can make it into games and in, make more interesting ways of doing it that's always good I think when my kids were little as well we did hopscotch and we put the letters on that and we played different games in the garden to do with finding letters in the garden we did a game where um, we put magnetic letters in the bathtub and then we put a magnet on the end of a fishing rod and fish them out and would say the letters, the phonetic sound of the letters. There's loads of ideas. You know, if you just go on Pinterest or Google and look for games to do with teaching phonics, um, you'll find all sorts of stuff um, to give you some inspiration online. And I have done um, a blog post about how we taught reading and all the different resources that I've used over the years. So if you go to my blog, and you click on the blog tab at the top, and then when you search, just search reading, it'll, all the blog posts I've ever written about reading will come up there. Um, and online, we used to use reading eggs a lot. The kids have outgrown that now, my two boys, but I think in terms of online resources, reading eggs is the best, in my opinion. Um, and they often do different promotions and, and they offer free trials and things. Oh, the next question is a good one, okay. Okay, I better have some water for this, because this is this one, this gets me excited. How do you deal, how do you get over mum guilt? Like, when I take time for yourself, I know it's best for my family for me to have self-care, but I always feel guilty leaving them, and that guilt takes over the, my, me, my me time. Right, so this sister is feeling guilty when she takes time away from her family to have me time. Okay, friends, let's break this down. What is guilt? Guilt is an emotion we feel when we're doing something wrong, right? So if you lie, if you steal, if you are harsh or aggressive with somebody, you feel guilty. Mum guilt, on the other hand, is just by this definition, it is a guilt that you feel as a mother that is ill-placed, that is illogical. Um, and so many of us feel that, and the fact that this sister has use the word mom guilt means that she recognizes that the guilt she's feeling is illogical. Um, first of all, I want you to know that I'm never gonna tell you something unless I have 
experienced it myself or I'm, I'm going through something myself. So mum guilt is absolutely something that was an issue for me with my firstborn anyway. I remember a time when I couldn't finish a meal because I felt guilty. Isn't that mad? I felt guilty eating. That's like a basic human right. So if somebody was holding my baby for me and they started crying, how many of you can relate to that? You're halfway through your meal and your baby starts crying and you're like, what do I do? Do I go and get the baby or do I finish my food? And I will tell you, nine times out of 10, I left my food and I went and got my baby. I was denying myself the basic human right of eating a full meal on a regular basis, unfortunately. And the same goes for things drinking, um, uh, drinking enough water, showering, um, you know, just taking time for yourself to exercise. This sister is talking about going out. Going out for a couple of hours a week, a month is good for you. But we recognize in our own self that it's illogical that you're feeling guilty. So if you are feeling mum guilt, on a regular basis, I want you to do two things for me for the next couple of weeks. First of all, I want you to acknowledge the guilt. I want you to recognize what an issue is. So for example, if you were overweight, you, what you would do is you'd make a food diary, right? You'd make note of, okay, this is what I eat every day. And then when you look at that diary, you're like, oh my goodness, no wonder I'm overweight. Or if you were trying to stop smoking, you would count how many cigarettes you were smoking every day. You'd be like, oh, okay, this is an issue. So what I want you to do now, if you're suffering with mum guilt regularly, I want you to acknowledge what, how big of an issue this is. Every single time you feel guilty for something that is completely irrational, that mum guilt that we feel, I want you to make a tally somewhere, like on a piece of paper, on your chalkboard, on your phone. Just make a note of it so that you can see after two, three days, I feel this emotion of guilt, you know, 20 times a day, 30 times a day. And when you realize what an issue it is, then you can start to take steps to address it. The second thing that I want you to do is I want you to think about where this came from. Because there will be some people who are watching this now who are like, I don't, I don't really feel guilty about things. I don't really feel guilty about these things. You know, I, I can go out for a meal with my friends and I don't feel guilty. Those women, if you are one of them, are the women who had role models in their life that modeled positive motherhood. You probably had a mother or a grandmother or an auntie in your life that showed you that you can be a mother and you can be happy. You can be a mother and be fulfilled and joyful. Conversely, what if there was a person out there whose mother was always miserable, who was always grumpy, who was always complaining? What is the story that they are telling themselves? They're telling themselves that that is what it means to be a mother. That is what, what is normal when, it's, when you're a mother, you're supposed to be miserable, grumpy, complaining. You're supposed to be unfulfilled. You're supposed to be unhappy. That is what, to them, whether they realize it or not, that is what is their normal in their mind. So if you're experiencing mum guilt regularly, I want you to think back to your childhood and I would really like you to think and put a name in your mind to that person who told you that story, who taught you that to be a mum, you need to be unhappy, to who taught you that to be a mum means being miserable and unfulfilled. Because once you recognise that that's where that came from, that that belief you have of what being a mother is all about is from that individual in your past, then 
then you can start to make a change. You can start to rewrite that story that you tell yourself every day. You can change your normal. And if you think about it, what you are showing your children will become their normal. It will become what they see as motherhood. When your daughters grow up, they will remember their mum. And that is what being a mother is all about to them. So are you miserable? Are you unhappy, unfulfilled, tired, grouchy? Because that is what you're teaching your daughters motherhood is all about. And that will become their normal. And so what happens is when to you being normal is to you being a mother is being miserable. When you do something that makes you happy, you feel guilty because it's not what being a mother is supposed to be. When you do something that brings you some relief, some joy, you feel guilty because in your mind you're telling yourself being a mom is about being miserable and sacrificing yourself and your happiness. So the only way to shift that mindset out of mum guilt is to find the cause, to first of all acknowledge where it came from and secondly um, acknowledge how much of an issue it is in your life. So that if you are suffering from mum guilt right now, I want you to do those two things for me. It's definitely an issue because it's come up in a few questions. A few people have messaged me about it. We'll have to you know, revisit this topic and I'll talk you through the next things you can do. But start there. Um, see what an issue it is in your life. See, see how much it's affecting you negatively and find the cause, that person who told you what motherhood should be about. And we'll, we'll touch on it again in another video, inshallah. Cool. I'm getting my heart's going with that one. Right, let me have some water. Oh my goodness, it's been half an hour already. Okay, I'm not sure how many more questions we can do. Let's try this one. Okay, so I got this question. What do you do with a six-year-old who is uninterested in learning and just wants to suck his thumb all day? Oh man, like, okay, so sister, there are two, there are two possibilities here. Okay, either that your, your son, yeah, your son has like a medical issue going on here. And that is a possibility. Now, I've not seen your son. It might be obvious if I saw him that there's no medical issue. But because I can't see him and I haven't met him, I have to suggest that that could be an issue. And if you think that's a problem, then that could be a possibility. Then I would really encourage you to seek help, go to your GP, your health visitor, and they can put you in touch with someone who can support the needs of your family. If you do not think it's a medical thing at all, then I would really encourage you to just stop. Like if you have genuinely tried everything you can to get your son engaged in learning, you've tried to make it fun, you've tried to diversify things, you've tried to get him into it, he's just not interested, then just stop right now because getting, being ready for formal education is a developmental stage. It's just like walking. So some children walk at nine months, some children walk at 18 months. You wouldn't say that the child who walks at 18 months is any less intelligent than the one at nine. It's got nothing to do with intelligence. And the same is true for formal education. Some children are just ready at four or five years old to really crack into their work. And some will not be ready until they're nine years old or older. So it might be that your son is just developmentally not ready yet. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with him. He's just not ready. He's not ready yet. So what I'd encourage you to do is just stop. Just wait maybe six months Give him a break, give yourself a break to heal um, because it will have had an effect on you and your confidence and your emotions. So take a break 
um, for six months at least and then go back into it. Because if you keep pushing when he's not ready, what will happen is you will affect your relationship with him. It will affect... Um, it will affect your relationship and there is nothing more important than your relationship with him. Your relationship with him, your um, role as a mother always has to take priority over your role as his educator. So put your relationship with him first, take a break and then come back after six months and maybe, maybe he'll be ready then, inshallah. Right, next question. This might have to be the last one. This is again about mum guilt. Uh, well, it says, how do you overcome mum guilt of not having done enough? Um, for your kids or not having reached your homeschool goals at the end of the month or the week? Do our kids really have to finish a curriculum front to back? That, that's what drives me crazy because I never end up getting it done. Right, so I'm not going to go into the mum guilt thing again, otherwise I'll be here for another half an hour. But if we touch on what you said at the end, do our children need to finish a curriculum front to back? No, why, why would they need to finish a curriculum front to back? Absolutely not. So when you're at school, and for example with maths, it's a very simple example, they're teaching you a concept in maths. They'll teach you the concept on the board and then they give you 20 questions to do. One child might get the concept, do one example and have got it like that, okay? They've got it. Another, another child might need those 20 questions to understand. But because that child's at school, the, the, the one who got it first, the one who got it with one go, they still have to do all those 20 questions. And what happens at the end of those 20 questions? They're bored, they're frustrated, they, maybe they misbehave because they got it straight away. Now, when you're at home, you don't need to do that. You don't need to complete every worksheet. You don't need to complete every book. What, you need to look at what your child needs because I think the issue here actually is not about the child, it's about the mum. So the mum feels that she needs to have her, her child or her son complete every book because it makes her feel like she's doing a good job. It makes her feel um, confident, like she's, like she's actually doing a good thing here. But it's not serving the child. It's not serve, you're not looking at the child here, you're looking at your own self. What you need to do in this situation is take yourself out of that picture. It's not about you. Look at your child. Does he need to complete this entire worksheet or has he got it? Does he need to finish this book or is it frustrating him, boring him? Is it not working for him? If it's not serving your child, stop, move on, do something else. Because as homeschoolers, we have that privilege. We can mix it up. We can change things up. It's not about you. It's not about what makes you feel good as a mum. It's about your child in this situation. So take your own self, your own needs, your own confidence issues away from the table and, and look at the child and what they need. Um, otherwise, they're just gonna get frustrated and what's gonna happen is they're not gonna enjoy the homeschool, they're gonna misbehave, and then you're gonna be dealing with how do I discipline my child? How do I make them engaged and enjoy their work? And what it came down to was you forcing your child to do every page of every workbook when they didn't need to. So instead of, of thinking about ticking boxes and finishing books, Look at your child. Nobody knows your child better than you do. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think, you know, it's something we all fall into. We all fall into that trap because that's how we grew up. We finished every page of every book when we were at school, but you don't need to do that when you homeschool. Yeah, you, you really don't need to. Um, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it there because we're running into 40 minutes here. 
I'm going to just scroll quickly through some of these questions um, and see what we've got going on. Assalamu alaikum from Dubai. Wa alaikum salam. So glad you could be here. Wa alaikum salam. I love your energy, mashallah. Allah keep you always happy. Amin. Amin. Jazakallah khair. If you don't mind me asking, did you follow another religion before Islam? No, I don't mind you asking. So I was raised very loosely, like most children in the UK, um, as Church of England. So that's Christian, um, the Church of England. But it wasn't something that was heavily enforced in my home. You know, I went to C of E schools. And so we had services at church and um, I did, I was for a couple of years part of our Christian fellowship at school. Um, but, I, you know, I didn't have a very specific faith. Um, my mum was actually raised Catholic. My dad is a Hindu. I went to see of these schools. So I had a whole mixture of faiths going on in the background in my life. But um, I never actually had a specific faith of my own until I found Islam. And that was at university. Um, so there's a lot of lovely positive comments coming on here. So that's alhamdulillah. I'm so glad. Okay, so we've got one question here. Does your little girl also do narration? Um, is that how you measure her progress? No, my, well, <laughs> my little girl knows the drill. She knows that's what her boys, um, the boys in her life do, her brothers do. So she knows that um, that's what happens at the end of the class. So she'll often try and butt in on their classes and do her own narration, which is very cute. Um, but no, I don't do narration with her. She's, she's not at a, at a point where I need to assess her learning. She's just turned four. So her learning is still very informal. Um, it just involves games and reading books aloud to her, storybooks. But that's it. Um, so there's no, I don't assess her learning um, at all, actually, yet. I've not found the need to do that. My daughter is three, turning four soon. I don't force her, but want to do Arabic first. What do you do with your girl? So I, with my little girl at the moment, she's just learning um, the Arabic letters and she's learning little bits of Arabic vocab, like the clothing and the colors, uh, food, things like that. Um, no formal lessons, like I said before. Okay, so I think that's everything. If I've missed your question, I apologize. Um, if it's really important, you can message me later on Instagram and I will try and get back to you. Um, so yeah, if you missed the announcements at the beginning, next week's video will be canceled, it's not, it's not happening. So we're not having videos for the next two weeks. I'm taking the next two weeks off because I really wanna, um, I really want to focus on where this is going, on the sort of topics I want to touch on, what's important to, to you, what's important to me. And so the next two weeks, I'm just gonna be working on that and thinking about that. So we'll be back on the 30th, the 30th of December, and we will be talking about, I'm just a mum, is that enough? Um, so that's the 30th of December, if you wanna put that in your calendars. And that's at the same time, 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, um, on Instagram and with any luck I'll have Facebook working as well and we can have you do double streaming um, any other and we've got a competition the giveaway that finishes tomorrow so if you haven't already there's an Instagram giveaway going on on my uh, account that's for Archibald Clutterbuck which is a world geography resource and I'm giving away a big world map and uh, explorers journal and some stickers and that closes tomorrow so if you wanted to enter that make sure you go ahead and do that um, but I'm really, I'm so glad that so many of you could join me today. If you missed the beginning, this will be up on YouTube um, by Monday evening, tomorrow evening, inshallah. 
Um, so thank you so, so much for all of you joined in, all of you commented and asked questions as we went, went along. It really changes the dynamic of things as well, you know, when you comment and you talk to one another. So I appreciate that so much. And I will see you in a couple of weeks for the next live video. Have a great weekend. Assalamu alaikum.